found on the inside of the bulletin. Joshua 1, 1 through 18. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses has so commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We're going to take up the second part of this passage next week, and I'm going to focus on this in particular. The word of the Lord. You know, there are a lot of great movies out right now. I don't know if you're a movie watcher or not. Has anyone gone and seen the movie Frozen? Oh my gosh, tremendous movie. I confess that I've been listening to the soundtrack again and again. Gosh, the, the gals can sing. It's a great story about overcoming your fears, about stepping into the things that you know you have to do but are afraid to. Well, last night my wife and I went to see The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Anybody see that one? Yes. Ben Stiller directed it. It's a classic. It's a wonderful story about a mild-mannered guy who doesn't take any chances and risks. In fact, he's been in the bowels of Time Magazine as the, a negative guy for 16 years. And all of a sudden, a challenge is put before him. A, a saga, an odyssey of what he needs to do, what he knows he needs to do. And the fear that comes alongside him. Will he take the leap? Will he jump? Will he go for it? I'm not telling you. Find out. Go and see the secret life of Walter Mitty. You ever had a Walter Mitty moment in your life? You know, God was calling you to do something, and yet it seemed to be on you. You were quaking in your boots. I did. I was a mild-mannered business executive at a company, and I heard God's call to go to seminary. And I was trembling in my boots because I knew what it was going to mean. But I knew that God was calling me to it. At least I thought he did. And I said to myself, you know, if I don't do this right now, I'll never do it because I'm not getting any younger. Now, where does courage come from to face our fears and to lean into them, to live fearlessly in a world that's filled with fear? This was the question for Joshua and the Israelites, wasn't it? There was this land that had promised to them, and now they were standing on the precipice. It was time to do what God had called them to do. And, jo and Joshua was just the man to lead them according to God. Would he stare his fear in the face and cross and do what God had commanded him to do? Or would he stay safe with his feet on the shore of the other side of the Jordan? Joshua took a step, and the rest is history, literally. 
But Joshua T. taught us something very important. That you will find your courage from the one whom you give your fear. See, life is not a question whether you fear or not. You will most definitely fear. But your courage is found from the one that you give your fear. Joshua gave his fear to God and he discovered the boldness that he needed. But what was this process by which Joshua decided to do this? We look at the passage and we see that three things occurred in Joshua's life. Number one, he chose to rely on the promises of God. God told him it was to be so, and he relied on the promises. But even more than that, Joshua relied on the presence of God. He knew that God was with him, and if God was with him, who could be against him? And finally, he relied on the path that God had given him. The promise, the presence, and the path. He found his courage from the one who he gave Well, let's take a look at these things. Number one, let's look at how Joshua relied on the promises of God. Talked a little bit about the history, that the story of this land that was going to be given to the Israelites started with Abraham over 600 years before Joshua. That God chose this man, Abraham, and he said, Leave your country and your people and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. To your offspring I will give this land. And so Abraham lifted up his tents and he went not exactly knowing where he was going. But God was leading him step by step. And amidst all the challenges and the trials, this promise continued to be repeated to Isaac, to Jacob, and to the Israelites, to Joseph, who were in Egypt where God reached his hand down and lifted them out and said, I'm going to bring you this land, this land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. But this wasn't the first time that Joshua and the Israelites had stood on the side of the Jordan. Forty years before, they had stood there, all 600,000 of them. And Moses had sent out spies to look at the land, 12 of them. And all 12 had come back. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had said, The land is exceedingly great. God will give it into our hand. Let us go. But the other 10 said, The land is filled with giants. If we go across there, surely we'll be slaughtered. We should go back to Egypt. God was angry with the Hebrews. And so he said that none of you will enter this promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. Not even you, Moses, for you have disobeyed me. Not in this instance, but in another. And so now, it was Joshua's time, 40 years later. Here God in Joshua 1-2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel. You know, there's something when you're second in command, isn't there? Vice President, fun job, I think. You get to go around, kiss some babies, have a good time, maybe a state visit. But we know that with the President, the buck stops here. And now Moses is gone, and the buck starts, stops with Joshua. Joshua remembers the failure and the consequences. And Joshua's in charge. He understands the circumstances. Here are over 600,000 Israelites that haven't known war before. And they're staring in the face of crossing the Jordan and encountering over a million Canaanites in fortified cities who are not going to give up easily. But God said in verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised, from the wilderness as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. It's about 300,000 square miles, by the way. 
of this is the land that I have commanded you to take, Joshua. And so Joshua is quaking in his boots, asking the question, if Moses failed, the man after God, how can I? But the only thing that Joshua had to rely on was not himself, but God's promises. For God said, I have given this land to you. There in the Hebrew is the perfect tense. It means it's already happened in God's eyes. The land is yours. Go and take it. And God gives him these three promises. Number one, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Moses had a very special relationship with God. Some of us have seen uh, and read about this. The scriptures say in Exodus 33 that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Moses would return to the camp, but Joshua did not leave the tent. But when Moses' kind came down, the skin of his face was literally glowing, and he would have to cover it with a veil because the glory of the Lord being upon him was so strong that people couldn't bear to look upon his face. That was Moses' relationship with God. And just as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. The promise that that relationship will be with me just like it was with Moses. But God promises, number two, that you will be invincible. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. You're invincible. No man. doesn't matter if there are millions or one. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What a powerful claim. What if God came to you and said you will be invincible? See, the only way you can find out is if you go into battle, right? Then you find out if God's promises are true. But God had this promise that he would be with him like Moses, that he would be invincible. And finally, number three, that you will be the cause of the victory of the Israelites. Think about that. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You're the guy, Joshua. You're the linchpin. You're the catalyst. You're the one that's going to make it happen. And so he tells him, in the midst of these promises, you must be strong and courageous. The word courageous, another better word for it, I think, is resolute. Don't go away. Trust. Be strong and courageous. In what? In my promises. See, the promise is clear to Joshua, but the plan is not. Be strong and resolute. See, God has told him who, but God has not told him how. I can see Joshua going to God and saying, okay, strong and courageous, what's the plan? And God says, I am. No, 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 where's the strategy? The, we gotta lay this thing out. We gotta move these people from here to here. We gotta take over. What's the plan? I am. I'm not gonna tell you how, but I am gonna tell you who. And if you trust in my promises, I will lead you to the place where you are to go. Joshua had a decision. Joshua had he heard, he believed, and he acted. It's one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you've seen the movie Gladiator. Great movie, Russell Crowe. You know, he's the king, excuse me, he's not the king, he's the commander of the armies of the north. He's a battle-hardened veteran, and he's the beloved, almost adopted son of Marcus Aurelius. He is the one, really, who's been responsible for Rome's victories. But Marcus Aurelius' son, Commodus, is jealous of this guy, the gladiator, his name, uh, Maximus. And so what does he do? He 
tries to have him killed. And luckily, uh, graciously, by one of Maximus's friends, he's sold into slavery instead of killed. And he's put into the arena to fight the gladiator games. No one realizes who he is. And so he's trained with this ragtag of other uh, band of other slaves, and they're put into the arena for the first time. And these folks, these gladiators who they threw in there, were pretty much sheep for the slaughter. Because the other group of warriors would come in and they had chariots, and they had horses, and they were enacting these battles, and they would always win. There's, power, there's a powerful scene while they're waiting for the doors to be opened, and Maximus turns to the group and he says, has anyone served in the army before? One guy raises his hand, and he says, if you want to live, listen to me. And they look at the army that's approaching, and they look at Maximus, and they say, we're going to listen to that guy. And if you see the movie, you see this magnificent triumph with this, over, this little group that manages to triumph. See, that was Joshua. He looked at the Jordan, and he looked at God, and he says, we want to live. I'm sticking with him. And you know the rest of the story. But the story is not just about Joshua. It's about you and me. How about you? What are you going to do when God calls you? See, God will tell you the who, but he won't necessarily tell you the how. What's the plan, God? I am. But it seems impossible. How can this small group affect such a victory? God, my marriage is an utter ruin. We don't talk anymore. We're past the point of no return. She doesn't like me. I don't like him. There's no future. God says, trust in me. Trust in me. I will lead you to where you need to go. God, what's the plan? I'm the plan. Take a step in faithfulness. It's very interesting when you see them crossing the Jordan. Joshua's leading them to the Jordan. He doesn't even know how they're going to cross. You imagine 600,000 people behind you going, what do we do now? But what God said to them, to the priest, is to put one foot in the water, which was at flood stage, by the way. And as they stepped, the water parted. See, God says, I'm not going to show you how, but I'm going to show you who. And just enough for you to take a step. God is about making the impossible possible. But only in Him. See, at some point in your life, you know, when I was 20, I thought I could conquer the world. And then the world came along and I realized that's not true. We must find a power greater than us to live the life that we're called to. But in the end, if you don't trust God, what's going to happen is that your life is going to get smaller and smaller. Because as the world gets bigger and bigger, you realize that your resources are not enough. The Christian life isn't difficult. The Christian life isn't possible. God has called us for more than simply living and existing. God said, I came into my life and have it to the full. But our courage will not come from inside. You will find your courage from the one who you give the fear. That's what Joshua did. He relied on God's promises. But even more than that, he relied on God's presence. You know, it's one thing to get a promise from someone. It's another thing to get a presence, isn't it? It's, we need someone with you. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you 
Savior. There's this great scene in the book of Exodus where Moses is leading these people who are constantly complaining. And Moses just basically sits down and says, I can't do this anymore. And God says, okay, I will go with you. No, I will send my angel to go with you, this stiff-necked people. You will inherit the land. I will send someone with you. And Moses says, uh uh-uh. If your presence does not go with us, God, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people in the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. See, Moses put his foot down. I need more than just your promises. I need you. And because he asked for God's presence, God gave it. You know, there's a difference between having a map and having the guy who wrote the map. You ever done this before? You know, you go and you ask for directions at the gas station. The guy says, oh, that's easy. Here's what you do. You go down here, you're going to take a right around, and then you go two blocks, and then you're going to take a left, and, and then you're going to go two miles, and there's going to be the overpass. And by the end of that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember anything you said. And I'd probably go out of the gas station and go the exact opposite way. But it would be totally different if you got in the car, right? Here's the difference between Whole Foods and Sam's. Sam, hey, where's the, where's the almond slivers? Oh, they do this up all the time. I think it's on aisle 15. Good luck. Go to Whole Foods. Hey, where's the something flower? Oh, let me show you where it is. They always take you to where it is. And then they take your money. It's a wonderful exchange. I give her my visa. I say, thank you very much. See, I need his presence because I don't know where to go. If you give me who, but you don't give me how, I need who. Moses wanted to see him, not only his presence going with him. This is very, Moses is so bold as to say, I want to see you now. Show me your glory, Moses said. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my delay of the Lord in your presence. But you cannot see my face and live, and so I will hide you in the cleft of a rock, and I will put my hand over you as I come across. And Moses, in that way, you don't understand it got to experience the presence of the Lord. And so God, like he said to Moses, said to Joshua, I will not leave you or forsake you. God makes his promise. It's an oath. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you means I will not disappear. As we're walking along, there will never be a time when you turn around and I'm not there. I will not only not disappear, but I won't forsake you. I won't desert you. There will never be a time when I go over to the side of your enemies all the days of your life, Joshua. So have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Truth be told, my friends, we are frightened. I'm frightened sometimes. I grew up in a very anxious household. And as I've looked at my life, I've realized that often there's a low level of anxiety. Maybe you've experienced it more and more as the foundations of our country are shaking just a little bit. And this sure and solid ground called the United States of America isn't as solid as we thought it was. It's easy to be frightened. But God, as he said to Moses and he said to Joshua, says the same thing to us. See, that's why Jesus became a man, isn't it? 
That's why he didn't give us a promise. He gave us a person. He came to us in a form that we could understand. He walked alongside of us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I will be with you. You know, if you read the Gospels and how Jesus interacted with the disciples, you won't hear a lot of doctrine. You won't hear a lot of, here's what you need to do, you do this, and then you do this, and you say this, and you perform this ritual. You know what he said to his disciples? Follow me. I will lead you to where you are supposed to go. See, to follow Jesus, we have to leave something. Right? You've got to leave the fishing boat if you want to follow him. You've got to leave your promises and dreams if you're going to tie in this one who says, walk this way. But this Jesus who was with the disciples made a promise not only to them, but to all of us. Because he knew he was going to be crucified and rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. And so he says to us, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. See, what Jesus says is, I'm going to send my spirit. So he will not only be with you, he will be in you. He will be closer to you than anyone has ever been to you. And he is coming to reveal me. Notice he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Christianity, my friends, is crazy. That the living God would indwell in the hearts of normal people and guide them and be with them. You know, what God says to each one of you is the same thing he said to the disciples. Follow me. And I'll be with you. You give me your fear, and I give you myself. You'll find your courage for the one who gives you fear. You know, one of my favorite games to play as a kid, with other kids, was called My Dad is Bigger Than Your Dad. Anybody ever play that? You know, you're in this tussle, something's going on, you're, you're frustrated, you know, he hit a home run, you hit a blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, well, my dad is bigger than your dad. Oh yeah, well, my dad is bigger than your dad. See, what are they saying? They're saying, look, I've got a power with me that you cannot stand. I remember Rielle telling me the story as a, uh, a little girl. She was in school, and her, it's always dangerous. She's going, what, what, you didn't get clearance, you didn't get clearance. <laughs> Nevertheless, she's a little girl in school, and this, this boy is bullying her. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's more obnoxious. And she is being frustrated by this boy. Well, lo and behold, she goes and tells her dad. And one day, Dad walks in to the school and puts her arm around this boy and very, very nicely gives him a little message to let him know that if he touches my daughter again, he's going to hear it from me. Needless to say, this little boy never bothered Leon again because Leon's dad was bigger than his dad. See, we need someone who's bigger than us, don't we? When we come up against but we need not only promises, we need His presence. When we're scared, when we're failing, God is the how. He is with you. You know, I don't know your, 
experience in life. I don't know if you grew up where there wasn't a father. He wasn't there for you. He did leave you or abandon you. So you've never had the experience of having someone who stands up for you. And so, much of your life is dealing with this. My life is in crisis. It's up to me. i got to make this thing happen. Ba, 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 and that's it. You're focused. That's all you're doing. But God says, turn your eyes upon me. That's risky, isn't it? You turn your eyes upon him, you take your eyes off the crisis. God says, I give you my promise and I give you my presence. I will go with you. I will be in you. Trust me. And I will either walk with you through the shadow of the valley of death, or I will take you out of it in my proper time. You will find your courage from the one who gives you your fear. Give me your fear and I will give you myself. And so you and I, like Moses and Joshua, have to do the same thing. Got to sit down. God, I will not go if you don't go with me. God, show me your glory. What an arrogant thing to say. And how pleased God was with it. Do you know Him? In the darkness of the closet of night when no one else is there, have you experienced His presence? It's not for the wise people. It's not for the rich. It's not for the powerful. It's for everyday people like you and me. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Trust and be willing to be led. Rely on his promises. Rely on his presence. And finally, rely on his plan. See, God gave a promise, right? He gave his presence, and he did give a path. See, he didn't necessarily tell how, but he did say what. Here's what you are to do. And in fact, we see before God tell Joseph the specifics of his plan, he said this in verse 7. Only be very strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. It's interesting, you know, he says be strong and courageous several times. Well, when he's talking about obeying the law, he says something different. He says be strong and very courageous. In the Hebrew, they just repeat, be strong and courageous, courageous. Why does it take more courage to obey God's word than to fight the good fight? Because it takes trust and guts. It takes more courage to walk the path than to create your own. So what is this law? The law is the statute. The law is the voice of God that he has given us. So different than any other religion. You know that God has spoken to us specifically. That this is the word of God. And he's given this to us so we know the what. So we know the scriptures. Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You have told me who. You haven't told me how. But you have told me what. See, we have a path to walk. A lot of things I don't can't be sure of in life. You know, when we made this decision for me to go back to seminary, I thought God was calling me to do it. I sought counsel. My wife was with me to do it. But it's not in here, is it? It's not in here. Could be making a mistake, right? Is God telling you to move to San Diego and take that job? Is God telling you to do this? Is God telling you to marry that person? You ever heard that? God told me to marry that person. You know how it's true or not? If you end up marrying her. But God has told us specific things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Acknowledge Him in all ways, and He will make your path straight. Where does the path go? It goes straight. Where does it go to? Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What are the desires of my heart? I don't know, truth be told. I thought I used to know what they were. But God does. And so He tells me to what? Focus on delighting yourself in the Lord. You know that whole thing I was talking about with marriage? It doesn't necessarily say this marriage is going to work. But it tells us what to do. How we are to live. To lay down my life for my spouse. To love her as Christ loved the church. We can't control circumstances, can we? But we can control what God has called us to do. Every single one of the promises that God has given to us, we can put our feet on as much as Joshua put his feet on the bottom of the river Jordan. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do it. You know what the word meditate in Hebrew is? It's mutter. My kids sometimes make fun of me because I'm always kind of like, it's a sign either of genius or insanity. I haven't figured out which one yet. But mutter is when it's on your mind, right? You ever mutter about something going on in your head? It's that business plan, it's that blah, blah, it's that whatever it is. Muttering, thinking about it, day and night. Do you mutter God's word? Do you even know God's word? You are in the right place if you don't. Because God has given the church for this very reason. You know, there are a couple of people that call me every now and then. They're saying, here's a situation. Help me understand what God's Word says about it. And very often, I don't give them the fish. I teach them how to fish. So they learn and see what God's Word says. And it helps to guide them. I need to learn God's Word. Wow, daily reading Bible plan. Good place to start. Table Talk magazine. By Faith magazine. Pick up something. I don't have a Bible. Go steal one. I will forgive you. There will be penance for you. Okay? I actually lied to my parents to go get my first Bible. Sorry, guys. They didn't know that. They listened to all of that stuff. So am I advocating sin? Uh, I'm going off. Let me focus. Okay, I'm back. Get a Bible, people! Start reading and learning. The promises are for you. You can't take advantage of them if you don't have them. Right? This book, be careful to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to obey all that is written in it. See, there's a path to walk. But God doesn't give us the how, He gives us the what. I used to run marathons. Run these marathons. And you know, that, that is an exercise in controlled insanity, if ever there was one. And you know, marathon is really three races, they say. You know, there's a 10-miler, and there's a 10-miler, and there's a 6-miler. That's how you kind of break it up. But by that end of that, you know, the six miles, you're pretty much spent. And I learned the tip that I used. When you would get so tired, and you would look and you'd see, you couldn't see the finish line in sight, here's what you would do. You would find a person in front of you, and you would watch their shoe. Just watch their foot again and again and again. Keep your head down, because if you lift your head, you will lose hope. And I would watch that shoe, and... It was enough just to get to that place. God's given us a path, my friends. He's given you exactly what you need to do and live the way you are supposed to in your particular circumstance. And you must meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to, uh, to obey. My final point is this. You know, this message here was for Joshua, but it was for the Israelites. 
lot of places in here where the U is actually plural. You know, this message is not only for you and for me, it's for this church. Some of you guys may have just wandered in here, you know? There's, you know, good bagels or something, I got a friend up above, you find yourself in this group. But you know what? This message is for you. This church is meant to be bigger than simply a place where we come and go to get fed. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Have I not commanded you, Redeemer? Be strong and courageous. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This church is designed to change the world right here. And you're in the middle of it. So the question I have for you is this. Are we going to keep on hearing stories? Or are we going to live them? I'm in. Are you? My hope is by the end of this year, we will be in a new building, and we will be doubled in size, and you guys will seriously be falling after Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We need to grow deep, and we need to grow out. You know why? Because people out there are waiting for the message. They don't know who he is. They just know they need him. And it's our job to go tell them. Even giving up our lives. You know, there are people all over the world who are giving up their lives just for this message. God does not call us any less. He's strong and courageous. God never said he bless your lifestyle, people. But he said he bless your life. If you follow Christ, if you believe in his promises, you receive His presence and you walk the path, you will find courage and boldness. That's God's call to you and to me. So let's get going. Let's pray. Have I not commanded you? God, you have commanded us to be strong and courageous because you give us the power through your Holy Spirit of the risen, resurrected Christ. Lord, help us to turn our eyes from our crisis and turn our eyes on you. Help us to walk in your spirit, to commune with you, to carefully trace our path through your promises, Lord. We don't want to live ordinary lives. We want to live bold and courageous and victorious lives. But in you, Lord, help us not to be God, 